Rob Schaefer was on the phone with his fiancée, Angela Hammond, when the call was cut short by her screams and the phone dropping. After a two-mile car chase, she was never seen again. Hey dead people, I'm your host Lexi Chef, and this is Dead Cold. This week's case is the chilling and gut-wrenching disappearance of Angela Hammond. Angela Marie Hammond was born February 9th, 1971 to Marsha and Chris Hammond. Growing up, Angela was happy-go-lucky. She was very popular, and no matter what, she could make anyone smile with her goofy, vibrant rays of energy. Angela was also a bank teller, and she was taking classes at Central Missouri State University. That's where she met her boyfriend, Rob Schaefer. Rob Schaefer was a star athlete who planned to be in the military, but in January 1991, the couple got huge news. Angela was pregnant. And a little while later, Rob decided to propose. On April 4th, 1991, the couple decided to attend a barbecue at a friend's house. And around 10 p.m., Angela dropped Rob off at his house so he could babysit his little brother while his mom was gone for work. But the couple did decide that they wanted to meet later on that night. After dropping Rob off, Angela decided she wanted to spend some time with her friend Kyla. At around 11.15, she called Rob from a payphone at the intersection of Jefferson and 2nd Street, seven blocks from his house. The payphone was also outside of a grocery store called Food Barn. Angela called Rob to throw in the towel and cancel their plans for later that night. Talking to Rob, she noticed a suspicious vehicle circling around the block multiple times. The vehicle was a older, late 60s to early 70s model, two-tone green Ford pickup. A notable thing about this truck is that it had a mural of a fish jumping out of water on the back. Rob basically said he's probably not from here and he's probably lost, so don't worry about it. So Angela kind of calmed down and continued talking on the phone. But when it pulled up beside her, that's when she got extremely worried. Rob started asking a bunch of questions about what he looks like and things like that. Angela described him as a filthy Caucasian man with glasses, a beard, and a mustache. He was also wearing overalls. The man got out of his truck and used the phone right next to Angela. After that, he got back in his truck. Then he took out a flashlight, and Angela began describing this flashlight to Rob and saying that it looked like he was looking around for something in his truck. Rob told Angela to ask him if he maybe needed to use the phone. He said that he would try again on the other one in a minute. Then, Rob and Angela continued on with their conversation. But then, a few moments later, Rob hears Angela scream, and absolutely chilling. A man says, I didn't need to use the phone anyway. 
like i don't think you could tell me that is not like sending full chills like down your spine that is really creepy but rob was not gonna sit there he ran as fast as he could out to his car and drove towards the payphone on his way there he saw a truck and he heard angela screaming out robbie which again full chills down my spine right now now sit up in your seats because this gets crazy rob throws his car in reverse starts following the truck as fast as he can for about two miles and then the truck makes a sharp right turn and his transmission fails oh my gosh if his transmission wouldn't have failed when he hit where when he went into reverse he would have probably caught the guy or at least got a better description or something to help the investigation and angela would probably be here today but we also don't know that 100 percent Rob then hitchhiked to the nearest police station to report Angela missing. After being reported missing, there was an extensive search for Angela, as well as her abductor and his truck. The Missouri State Highway Patrol checked hundreds of trucks matching the description. They had about 1,600 trucks matching that description, minus the decal in the back, but none of them panned out. They didn't have many leads, at this point in the investigation so they started to question rob's story in the beginning there weren't any witnesses that they could find to corroborate um rob's story for that night but they did a polygraph examination and it indicated that he was telling the truth but even though he passed the polygraph test there is still a lot of controversy on whether he's really guilty or not but later two people did come forward and said that they did see a suspicious person in a truck around the payphones between 11:30 and 11:45 p.m which is shortly before angela's disappearance but within a week rob was cleared just because of his polygraph test and those witnesses and other things and Two days after Rob was cleared, Angela's abduction was connected to two other unsolved uh, abductions in the area, including one which was a murder. Now I'm going to be sharing two other cases with you guys. The first case is the abduction and murder of Trudy Darby. On January 19th, 1991, about maybe two months uh, before Angela went missing, 42-year-old convenience store worker Trudy Darby called her son to report a suspicious man lurking outside. Then, less than 10 minutes later, her son arrived at the store and found it vacant. He noticed that her coat, car, and purse were left behind. The register was open and it had $200 missing. Police and family immediately were overwhelmed with fear because they thought that she had been kidnapped but they could never imagine what happened next days later blood and hair that belonged to trudy were found on a gravel road near a river shell casings were also found nearby and later that day while someone was walking their dog near the area they found her body she had been raped and shot twice in the head 
Her family was so overwhelmed, they just wanted to figure out who had done this. Police immediately started looking for the two men that were lurking outside the store that night. They also believed that her murder may have been connected to two other disappearances in Missouri, Angela Hammond and Cheryl Kenny. Police questioned local sex offenders and convicted criminals but no suspects were identified during this time. And due to the remoteness of the location of her dump site, it was believed that the killers lived in the area. Now, during this time, a man named Jesse Rush, who was 20, was talking to a few of his friends, and he admitted to murdering Trudy Darby. So in September 1993, one of the friends contacted the police about the confession. She basically told police that Rush threatened to kill her if she went to the police. Recording devices were placed in her room and she was able to get Rush to confess on tape to committing the murder. After he was arrested, he confesses to detectives. They were really surprised when they found out that there was another man involved. This was 34-year-old Marvin Chaney, Jesse Rush's half-brother. So, according to Rush's confessions, he and his half-brother went to the store with the intention of robbing and abducting Trudy. After they entered the store and took the money from the cash register, they dragged her out and forced her into the trunk of their car. They drove her to a nearby barn, raped her, shot her in the head, then they took her to the river and discovered that she was still alive, so they shot her again and dumped her body in the river. And I had to do, like, a double take when I first read this, because I was like, she was still alive? Like, she was fighting so hard, which is insane. And I have no idea how they didn't notice earlier, and it's just, it's, it's crazy. Now, when they talked to Chani, he denied being involved in the abduction. He claimed that he was at home with his wife, and his wife supported his alibi for a little while. However, she changed her story, and she said that she lied because she was afraid of him. Now, in March 1996, Brush was convicted of kidnapping and first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. And in April 1997, Chani pleaded guilty to kidnapping and first-degree murder. He was also sentenced to life in prison. Police believed that Chani was also involved in other murders. But before he was convicted of any other murders, he died in prison in 2017. And police absolutely believe that they were both responsible for Angela and Cheryl's disappearances. In a letter to other inmates, Rush mentioned dumping two other bodies of women in a remote location, but those bodies have never been recovered. The next person we're going to be talking about, you've heard obviously, we're going to be talking about Cheryl Kenny. 30-year-old Cheryl Kenny was a married mother of two 
who worked at a convenience store in Nevada, Missouri. On February 27, 1991, she was working an evening shift. She was scheduled to work until midnight, but since it was a slow night, she decided to close early. She clocked out at 10 p.m. and set the store alarm at 10.17. She locked the front doors, but she never arrived home and she was never seen again. Her car was later found in the parking lot, which basically suggested to police that she never actually made it to her car. Two witnesses say that they heard a scream coming from that area at the time that she vanished. A janitor who worked at the store remembered seeing an unidentified man shortly before closing time. It's not known if he was connected to Cheryl's disappearance, There are several motels nearby, and it's very possible he was just from there walking around. Her employers also noted that she would have not locked the store if any customers were still around. So there's a lot of just eerie and suspicion just lurking around her disappearance. Her case still remains unsolved. But a serial killer named Kenneth McDuff was investigated in connection to the three cases. He committed murders around the area where the woman had vanished, but there was no solid link. And when those brothers were arrested in 1995, they were just excited because they thought that they were finally going to have peace for these families. And five years later... In 2000, bones that people thought were Cheryl's were found in a field, but they were later determined to be an unidentified male. So if Cheryl and Angela are connected to Jesse Rush and Marvin Chaney in some way, they definitely got the short end of the stick here because their bodies were never found. I know today is kind of a shorter episode and I'm so sorry, but I promise that next week's episode is going to be super, super, super exciting and it's definitely going to leave you guys on a cliffhanger. And I'm also very sorry because, again, my co-host is not here. I think I'm canceling her. She gonna be fired. But thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Dead Cold. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram as well as Twitter at Dead Cold Pod. Thanks again for listening. Stay alive. Podcast, what up, dead people?